If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Not to mention, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started today. Welcome back to another episode of Triathlete Talks. It's your host, Ethan, and today I am with Jenna Horner. Uh, For those of you who uh, this is your first time listening, every episode I like to bring on a guest to talk about their life as an athlete, their life outside their sport. It's usually a D1 athlete. Jenna was former D1 athlete as a gymnast, now an elite age group triathlete. So a little bit of background about how I know Jenna. Freshman year of college, I joined the tri team. Jenna was actually abroad, so I didn't get to meet her right away. Uh, She came back from abroad and was a solid training partner. Jenna's an excellent triathlete, and I'm so glad that the sport of triathlon has brought us together as friends, as, I guess, former teammates now, uh, hopefully teammates in the future. Just uh, introduce who you are, where you're from. So my name's Jenna, obviously. I am originally from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I spent... All of my life there um, until I moved to Washington, D.C. to go to college at George Washington University in 2016. I grew up doing gymnastics at a high level. I was a junior Olympic level 10 for three years before signing on to do gymnastics with George Washington University my freshman year. I did a year of that and then decided after a bunch of it was just not for me and I wanted to pursue other things um, in college and I moved into triathlon. I'd done triathlon before that. I kind of got into it when I was about like six or seven years old, I started doing the Miracles of Mitch try out of Minnesota, which I think now is the Pinky Square try. So I did those when I was little, didn't take it seriously until high school. It was mandatory for us um, in JO gymnastics to do cardio sessions outside of regular practice. And eventually one day I thought, hey, I should like put it all together and actually train for something while I'm doing these mandatory cardio sessions. So I signed up for my real... Um, big girl triathlon I think my like sophomore year of high school when I quit gymnastics and decided I was going to pursue triathlon more I had in my head that I was like I'm gonna go do this for fun I'm finally gonna do sport for fun (laughs) there's no one gonna be holding a gun to my head to go out and um, train or practice Um, I can just walk out my door and go for a run and it's gonna be really fun and I'm gonna be able to experience life as like a normal college student (laughs) it took about a semester to realize that I'm incapable of just doing a sport for fun and I also met um one of my old training partners Britt Kakainen in that time who was um a junior elite 
Um, he kind of took me under his wing that first semester, and he kind of started that itch for me to take triathlon to the next level. And I think after those first few months, it was not an option to be just for fun anymore. But of course, I, I have to say I'm having more fun now than I was in gymnastics. You're Brit story is almost similar to you and I you know I went in you know just doing it for fun and then you lit a fire under my ass and now I I'm thankful for for that little spark because honestly if it wasn't for Jenna I probably wouldn't be um, suffering day in and day out doing this anyway DC do you miss DC that's so unfair I do miss DC. I was there last weekend for the first time since I left during the pandemic to go home to Minnesota for a few months and then moving to North Carolina permanently. Yeah, I really miss DC. I would love to go back someday and make that um, my permanent home uh, at some point, but I don't know. Um, I'm just kind of chilling out in North Carolina at this point and we'll see where things go. Um, but yeah, I, I consider DC home at this point. I feel like a lot of people who have ever lived in or around DC, it, it holds a special part in their, in their heart. And I know at least for me, it has in a lot of my friends. You talked about North Carolina. You recently moved down there. I'd like to hear a little more about how it is down there. Um, why you're there and just a little bit about where you're living now. I moved down here because my boyfriend Terrence um, is an officer in the Marine Corps, um, and so he is stationed at Cherry Point, and we, I made this decision at the end of last year uh, to move down here with him. Um, the pandemic made it really easy because I can work from home, um, and I don't really have to worry about um, being in a place where I can't work, um, so a great grounds for training um i have really great roads for cycling some great running trails down here and a really awesome outdoor pool um and it's warm so um it was a great place for training and i didn't want to be away from him anymore we spent a solid year kind of not being able to be in the same place so it was time to just kind of settle down and be in the same place for a while so favorite memories the the funny stuff so let's start with your favorite part or memory about the gw triathlon team that's so hard let's do favorite race because that'll narrow it down a little bit oh yeah that's a really hard one i'm gonna give you two because i think there are two that um really stand out to me um the first one would be collegiate nationals my sophomore year it was the first time we took a ton of people at collegiate nationals i know my freshman year they took a few of the guys down there i think we took like 14 kids down there um and we packed ourselves into minivans and drove like 14 hours to tuscaloosa it was just a great time it was so much team bonding pulling off a trip that was just kind of insane logistically and it definitely was not my best race but it was my first collegiate nationals and I wouldn't trade it for anything it was amazing and I think it really got me hooked um on wanting to be better and be faster um and I think that race and that trip really solidified a lot of the bonds on the team um and 
moment, I think, was the first step in making the team more competitive. So I think that's probably one of my best memories. And then my second kind of best memory is probably um, collegiate conference championships last fall. I think it was the time that I know I had some of my best races ever and was on the podium uh, twice and also got to see the team just do so well. It was the best showing we've ever had at conference championships and just watching everyone's hard work pay off was like super rewarding and everyone was super supportive of each other. And our women got, I think, fourth in the conference. It was like, we got our first trophy as a team. It was great. <laughs> um, but it, it was really cool to see because my fr freshman year, we had two girls on the team. Um, it was Maria, me and Maria. Um, there were a couple others that were kind of there, but it was mainly just me, me Maria, and the guys. Um, so to see our women do so well was just super rewarding because it's been four years in the making. A long to get time to coming point. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And of course our guys did good too, but you know, I'm, I'm partial to the women <laughs> and to see you finally beat me. <laughs> I think you beat me on the Olympic course by like a minute or something. Uh, like yeah. I, for I forget. Couldn't have told me and I probably would have forgot. I, all I could think about in that race was not being able to feel my hands. That <laughs> race had to be one of the coldest races that I'll ever do, that like the team will ever do. I just remember looking at my phone at, what, 5 in the morning when we left the hotel, and it was 39 degrees. And mm -hmm. we're in the middle of Virginia, so <laughs> like, and it was late October, October 20-something. Yeah. So I, it makes sense, but 39 degrees... The lake was what maybe 72 degrees it yeah, felt it like so felt like a hot tub except for the, the fog that just covered all the buoys and you couldn't see anything made but sighting decently difficult <laughs> at least in some of the waves you get out of the swim into t1 you're shivering because you're running out into the cold you get on your bike you're going 20 miles an hour and your your body you just can't feel anything it was difficult to, to warm up. I know people who just have dropped out because they're so cold, and unfortunately, you can't control how the weather's going to be on the race day, but uh, we all made it out. Uh, I think I had my, like, longest T2 I've ever had in my life that day because I, like, stood there on my bike for two minutes just trying to unclip my helmet. <laughs> I remember coming in for T2, and my hands were shaking so much. I never thought that pulling up on my lace locks would be so hard, but when it was 45 degrees uh, after the bike leg, it was a struggle. My, my hands were shaking. I thought I wouldn't be able to get my shoes on, but I did. Everyone finished that day, and the women took home fourth, so, and everyone had fun, so that's, that's the important part. And that was probably the most competitive race I've actually done in my life so far. Um, I would say it's really competitive with some of those teams and athletes I mean, that, there. That MACTA conference is probably one of the most competitive conferences you can be in in collegiate triathlon. I think other than um, the one that like encompasses, I think, like Colorado, Arizona, and California or something like that. The teams that can train all year. <laughs> yeah. Other than that one, I think it's the most competitive because we have like Queens and Navy – it only makes us uh, want to be faster, especially a team, a club team, 
who's competing against some of these um, more funded and people who don't want to commit farther along. But that being said, we're a club, so that makes it nice for... I think it's, in the long run, it benefits, I think, the club and the team atmosphere. It's fully student-run, and we have full control over everything, and I think it gives people responsibility that comes with triathlon, learning how to be self-sufficient and do everything yourself, um, I think is one of the number one things you can learn from triathlon. And I think being a student run club responsible for everything is part of it. So I think we've created some pretty strong people. Yeah. I was just about to touch on that, how I've seen not just like myself, but other people who have like come into the team and came out just not like better triathletes, but also, you know, better people who are better leaders. And that's what I really value the, the student run organization. Honestly, I won't have it any other way. I, I like how, how we run it, uh, students <laughs> and um, texting and calling Aubrey weekly. And, you know, <laughs> just trying to figure out the next, the next step, because there's always something we got to figure out. I want to talk about the most embarrassing moment that you've had on the team. I know this past fall in the duathlon you had a little scroll. The most appropriate embarrassing thing was definitely the shoes. It was definitely the shoes. I showed up. This was my, that was my last collegiate race. My last collegiate race because there's no hope in going to nationals this fall. So my very last collegiate race I, it was our first race of the season, February duathlon, tiny, tiny duathlon in North Carolina, like not too far from where I'm living now. And I show up, I'm in transition, and I'm setting up my bike, and I go to put my shoes on my bike, and I flip it over, and the cleat is gone. I flip the other one over, and there's no cleat. And I think I sat there for, like, five minutes just looking at my cleats. And I remember Lauren just, like, tapping me and being like, Jenna, Jenna, what's wrong? <laughs> and I was like, I don't have cleats. I was like, I totally forgot that I had taken them off for the winter, off my, like, race shoes and put them on my winter shoes. And didn't check before I left. We were many, many hours from home, so, like, going to get them wasn't an option. And I ended up doing that entire race with my running flats on, on top of my SPD pedals. And it was just, it was terrible. I was so sad. I don't think I've ever been more embarrassed. We had a ton of new kids with us too. And to have their president just forget their cleats, it was so bad. Um, but yeah, no, ended up having a pretty good race still. Like I came second overall, but Man, yeah, that was that was probably the most gut-wrenching thing that's ever happened to me in a transition area. Like, I've had some pretty terrible things happen, but I think that was the worst one. I think, yeah, that's the, that's the most appropriate one. I don't know if you want to go into, like, the other... I mean, it's up to you. I had some pretty embarrassing things happen. <laughs> yeah, for the non-cyclists out there, uh, you kind of need cleats to clip into your pedals, um so so not having cleats is is a big deal and talk about full send uh i guess you really full sent that one with running shoes oh it was scary i it was a hilly course too that sucks like every time you like put down pressure 
like my other foot would kind of pop <laughs> and it was just like well I don't want to lose but I also don't want to crash out and ruin the rest of my season <laughs> so if you have um, a pre-race checklist make sure to add cleats to it definitely something I've never seen on anyone's pre-race checklist so it's a new one question have you ever forgotten your wetsuit for a wetsuit leo race i have not i that is my one thing i always check because i'm such a terrible swimmer that i always hold on to hope like i'm the one who's sitting there to the last minute like waiting for them to announce it because i'm like holding on hope that the lake like dropped 10 degrees overnight or something (laughs) i i thought you would have something more embarrassing than than the than the cleat freshman year we were at a party because club's party but ended up sleeping at our old president's house um and lost my Birkenstocks it turns out that they were like in the next room over I just was like too delirious at 6 a.m to figure it out it was like 6 a.m on a Sunday morning and I walked a mile home across Washington D.C. through like Washington Circle with no shoes at like 6 a.m on a Sunday and everyone knew about it on the team. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know what's probably more embarrassing than that? My freshman year, one of my first races with the team, I had my bike flown in from home. This was when I was still on the gymnastics team, and Hush Hush told Margie that I had an interview that morning to get out of something so I could go race ra- this race. Um, didn't mispractice anything. And... <laughs> I got, I had my bike flown in to like race this race um, from home because I didn't have my bike with me yet because I was still on the gymnastics team. Set up my bike. Turns out I like didn't screw my pedals on all the way. So we're at this at the UM, this is at UMD try. It's like one of my first races with them, uh, with the team. And I get halfway into the bike course and all of a sudden my pedal starts coming off. And I'm like, what the, what the, what is going on? Like, my pedal is wiggling. So I stop. I, like, screw it back in. And it's, like, clearly cross-threading. Like, it was not it was not good. Um, but I was dumb. I was not a bike mechanic yet. And I just, like, cranked that thing back in there and kept riding. I still had, like, four loops left on this bike course. And it just slowly started coming back out again. And then I'd stop and I'd put it back in to the point where, like, I just, like, stayed clipped out and, like, lightly pedaled the rest of the bike course. Um, ended up having to completely replace my crank after that because I stripped it out so bad. <laughs> so how many times would you say that you stopped and screwed the pedal back in by hand? At least six. I So many times that me and the motorcycle dude, like the, like, who was like going around making sure people were okay, like we're buddy-buddy by the end because he would stop every time and like offer assistance. And I was like so strong-headed. I'm like, no, I'm fine you're not taking me off this course. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna screw it back in this time. I think the last few times he offered me like this, these like pliers he had in his back pocket to like help crank it because I wouldn't go back in anymore. Yeah, that's that's one thing you you should probably check before for race day. Yeah. But like I said, everyone makes mistakes when they're when they're early on. So moving on, I wanted to talk about. Full Send Triathlon and JP Elite Try. I don't know as much about that as I do about your experiences with GW Triathlon. So why don't we start with um, your involvement with JP Elite 
uh, how you got onto the team, what it's all about, what you're doing today as part of the team. Yeah, so I joined JP Elite Tri a little bit over a year ago, so the end of my junior year of college. Um, I got done with Collegiate Nationals um, that year out in Tempe, Arizona, and I didn't do as well as I wanted to and knew that I'd kind of tapped out my self-coaching. Um, and to do better, I would need to probably start to work with a coach. So I I'd contemplated coaching for probably a year before that. I interviewed with a few coaches and just didn't vibe with anyone. Um, I think my biggest issue whenever I talked to a coach is they didn't have the same mindset as me. It was a lot of we're going to pull your training back. We're going to do less. We're going to be more focused and we're going to do less. And I don't think anyone understood that I had trained 20 plus hours a week since I was six, um, when it came to gymnastics. So I was used, I was used to high volumes of training. Um, of course I don't do more than 20 hours a week right now, um, with JP, but I wasn't about to do eight hours a week. Um, and so Interviewed with some coaches, never committed to it. And then I actually saw an email, um, Brooks Dowdy, I think his last name is pronounced. All Out Multisport had sent an email out about um, a daily training environment for college students. Um, so that kind of got my wheels turning and I reached out to him, kind of talked to him about that. And me being me, it was like, all right, I can't just talk to one coach. I need to like talk to a few people, make sure I'm do making the right decision. So I reached out to him, and after one conversation with him, um, I was super interested. I was pretty sure that that's what I wanted to do um, when I thought about I really liked Brooks as well in All Out, but <laughs> funny enough, back then, I could never see myself living in North Carolina. <laughs> so, and that's where, that's where his um, DTE was based out of, so... Next to that was like, I'm much more comfortable um, in the Northeast. Had originally reached out to James about the daily training environment and ended up going remote coaching with him. It's been a learning curve, a roller coaster. I've never trained like this in my life. Gymnastics was a completely different beast. This is just like constant cardio all the time. I, I've enjoyed it. It's a lot of high volume, consistent training. Um, uh, our team's biggest thing is consistency is key. Always, always volume and just taking care of your body. It's, it's a lot of high volume training and very consistent training. And I think James's biggest thing is um, consistency over time is key. Um, even if you're injured or you can't quite do exactly what we had planned, um, as long as we stay consistent over time, the change is going to come incrementally. And I've definitely seen that over the last year and a half, which has been really fun to see. And the group of JP elite teammates is amazing. Um, I have some really awesome elite triathletes to look up to. That happened a few weeks ago. So I'm guessing she was also in the same situation. She wanted that sort of same level of coaching. And with our current team situation, she decided to, to do that. Yeah, so she definitely wanted the consistency, I think, um, after doing my workouts for me with me um, for almost a year back at GW when I was lonely and needed a training partner. 
and she would just happily tag along for anything I wanted. Um, she really liked what I was doing, so she joined the team and wanted to take it to the next level as well. Yeah, so JP Elite, you are a member of that team, but you're also a member of Full Send as well. That's a little different than JP Elite, a little bit different community. Tell us about Full Send and what it has brought you as a triathlete. Yeah, definitely. I think the best way, I, I get a lot of questions from people like, "What? how are you on two teams? And I think the best way I describe it is like JP, um, so which stands for James Peterson. Um, James is my coach. That is my coaching group. Um, and then Full Send is more of like a community of athletes there to support each other. Um, we all have different coaches and we all come from different backgrounds. It's a big support group and it brings a lot of community to the sport, which last November was knowing I was going to graduate and knowing that the team environment I was in with, especially in the pandemic, has been really nice. Um, and I think for me, what really drew, drew me to Full Send, GW Triathlon was about to end. And so I kind of started to seek out a new home and I definitely found it with Full Send. Um, everyone there is just extremely supportive um, of one another. And it's just nice to go to a race and see people you know and see friendly faces and be a part of something just like bigger than myself. Um, so, yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think Justin's done a really good job at building that community. It seems like, and everyone's connected through triathlon, and it's also a reason that hopefully maybe I can apply sometime <laughs> soon. Anyway, I'll send you the application when he gets when he sends it out. I don't know Justin personally. Jenna does because he races on JP Elite as well, right? Yeah. So it was. Um, it's interesting because he yeah he races for James. Um, he is. One of James's um, kind of first original athlete was with James before um, Full Send came around. So I've gotten to know him pretty well. Um, if you haven't met him, he's a great guy. Um, definitely not what I expected when I first met him. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but he's just the sweetest, nicest, most caring person. Um, and what he has done with Full Sun is just incredible. It's been truly amazing to see him take it from just a catchphrase when he won nationals a long time ago to what it is today. One thing that surprised me, I didn't expect him to be like a light-humored sort of guy. He, I saw the video on his Instagram when he was in Kona, and he's like, Are you Jan Fredino? Are you Jan Fredino? <laughs> Are you James Fettuccini? And that had to be one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. And I think I think Jan Fredino actually commented on the on the post, but that was pretty he did. cool. So that, that that's pretty cool. Jan Fredino, world champion Kona this past year, right? Yeah. Or I guess last time. Did they have Kona this? I guess no, they did. No, they canceled Kona. They they canceled Kona, rescheduled Kona, and then canceled Kona again. That's basically how every race is pretty much gone. I know everything that like they rescheduled to the fall just got canceled for a second time which is just like really sad it's like you get let down once and then you get let down again and it's yeah. just like 2020 has been a roller coaster for everybody in triathlon after the Connecticut cup the conferences i was eager to compete again because that was our last race of the the fall and we were training for nationals i guess in april and then we got sent home. Obviously, that got canceled. 
So then I came home and I was like, all right, there's going to be a race that I'm going to do this summer. And you and Lauren and right. other people on the team. Uh, I've were... never even signed up for Lake Placid. <laughs> oh, I'm getting that. So Lake Placid 70.3 uh, was happening, uh, was supposed to happen actually five days ago. But was yeah, September 13th. Yep, Sunday. So I guess it was right after Nationals was canceled. Um, basically, you guys were like, so are you doing 70.3 Lake Placid? And I'm like, um, sure. So so I just threw my name in the, in the conversation. Did you sign up? No. So a lot of races were getting canceled at that point. And the options for people to defer or do other stuff, like, wasn't the best so i was like all right i'm not gonna drop five hundred dollars or however much it is to register and have to defer to a race that i don't know if i can can do so i was basically training for 70.3 lake placid i haven't signed up yet early to mid-july whenever they told us that lake placid 70.3 wasn't gonna happen and at that point i had done like multiple three four and then i we did the the cog and beast five hour workout i did i rode five hours on my bike all by myself and let me tell you that was probably more mentally challenging than it was physically even though it hurt my legs a lot but it's tough i don't i don't know how people can can do it but i did it and this summer has been a roller coaster just because we went from training for nationals to not to then signing up for 70.3 training hard for that and then that being canceled. And then Ed Prestera was like, hey, Ethan, I'm doing this race at Lake Nakamalala. He didn't know how to say it. I was like, oh, Lake Nakamixon. And I was like, when is it? And he told me. And now uh, that race is next week. And I've basically been training for that, I guess, for like the past, like, I don't know, month. Anyway, but I'm excited to race with um, a teammate again. So it should be should be a fun way to cap off the training for races only to have them canceled is it can be heartbreaking. I mean, I really wanted to do 70.3 Lake Placid. I was looking forward to going up there with the team. My dad was going to do it with me. So that would have been fun. He's the one who kind of got me into all of this before Jenna decided to smack me across the face and actually start trying so i did no such thing i just told you to get on my wheel <laughs> and yep it all started at at haynes point just trying to hold your wheel on those man i wouldn't have it any other way i'm glad that that where we are um except for 2020 2020 sucks what are your goals for 2021 given that it's a regular year and you're able to to race and stuff so funny enough let's do both do do your your favorite place for the actual coffee and tell me what what do you place has the best vibes then okay so my favorite place for actual coffee would probably be the coffee bar which i know i'd probably get a lot of hate for because they don't actually roast their own beans um but they bring in beans from some really great roasters um and one of my favorite roasters onyx coffee um and you can really judge a coffee shop based on how well they do a pour over. And I don't think I've ever gotten a bad one from the coffee bar and their espresso drinks too, are just always on point. It's, it's always good coffee. I've never had something bad there. Um, they're great. I love them. 
their vibe's great. Um, but I think my the place I would probably choose, like, vibe-wise would probably be Emissary. It's just, it's a really cool place to chill out, do work. Um, unlike a lot of D.C. coffee shops, they're open every day and late. So as a college student, it was always nice to be able to just kind of go hang out there in the evening and get some work done. I don't think I've ever been to those two places, and I'm going to blame you for never uh, introducing those places to me. But (laughs) True. But coming into college, I enjoyed coffee. I liked it. I didn't drink it too much for the caffeine, and I still don't. I I just have an appreciation for for coffee. Maybe not as serious as Jenna, but... (laughs) I was talking about how Jenna sort of motivated me with triathlon stuff, but I think she also fueled my my appreciation for coffee. I feel like I like coffee so much more after the countless times that we've gone to Bourbon and Compass Coffee. I forgot about Compass. That was like one of the first experiences we had together as Big and Little. What is it? West? It's like over near seven, yeah, 17th got- Street. And got some literal crack. <laughs> um, yeah, I to- oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. That's hilarious that you bring that up. That was, but... Yeah, that was like one of the first times I've ever had Nitro. And ever since then, I've been hooked. I've actually started, yeah, at this... Lost to the movers. The, this last <laughs> spring. And it's somewhere still in the boxes, either with my roommate's stuff or the boxes that I haven't even gone through. There's probably coffee molds growing in it because the movers just probably threw it in there. But I'm excited to start making my own cold brew again. It's like a ritual. It's just part of your day. It's not just about like drinking the coffee. It's about making the coffee as well. It's just like people who get pre-ground coffee and just like throw it in a coffee maker just doing it totally wrong. Like it's it's the whole experience. You gotta like smell the beans, grind them, choose how you want to make it that day. Like, am I in the mood to do a pour over, a French press, cold brew, espresso? I just got my first espresso maker. I'm really excited. So when I visit, I expect a espresso every morning. No, I'm just kidding. But I know I'm like trying to learn how to do latte art. It's really not working. I think it might be because I got, like, one of the cheap espresso makers because I'm still kind of a broke college student. Like, the wand doesn't get hot enough to make it nice and frothy to, like, make the actual art. I've gotten really close. I made a pumpkin once. It was not purposeful, but it turned out like a pumpkin. (laughs) You said you brew your own coffee. Do you just brew espresso or do you do anything else? I do espresso. I have got a pour over. I do have a like normal one cup coffee maker that I sometimes use when I'm like super lazy in the morning. This is super white girl and I hate to admit this and I know I just shit on people for having pre-ground coffee that they just throw into a coffee maker but I'm gonna plug Trader Joe's pumpkin spice coffee is the greatest gift anyone has ever given me in the fall. Gets me out of bed in the morning for those chilly morning rides. But I keep that around for that. Um, But other than that, I've got a pour over espresso. I used to have a French press and a mocha pot, but they both kind of got gross, so they were lost in the last move. So we're kind of building it back. Yeah, that's kind of my coffee. I really prefer pour over, though. That's, like, my favorite way of doing it. But apparently... 
a new shop opened like just down the road from there that opened like literally after we left dc i'm really disappointed in which direction towards washington circle or like trader joe's or like the opposite way the opposite way it's like a block down it's like four for five coffee or something like that but i walked past there when i was there last weekend it looks pretty good the thing with coffee in dc is that if you're not a good coffee shop frankly you're just not going to survive because there's so many good coffee shops and you have to be good to survive so i think we're kind of spoiled in dc with with all the different places to get coffee and we're definitely, we were definitely spoiled in D.C. It's been such a culture shock here not having good coffee places to go to. <laughs> and I just laugh every time I walk past the Starbucks line at 8 in the morning and it's like out the door. And I'm like, there's like five Starbucks like in and around campus. And I think I've been to Starbucks once and I'm currently a junior so i've been there for i should just say two years even though i wasn't a full semester last semester but that's one of my favorite things about dc is all the different places to to get coffee and thanks to jenna i probably wouldn't know about half of them uh so so hopefully and we're in your bank account (laughs) yeah i kind of had to stick with some of the cheaper coffee options just because i didn't want to break the bank with a six dollar nice espresso beverage (laughs) but (laughs) before we wrap up this episode i want to talk about dc and your favorite non-triathlete related memories i guess that's kind of hard because you were there for four years what was your favorite part about gw that's a good question that's so hard um i think like as an institution or just going to school there uh, just going to school there. I think my favorite part of going to school at GW was definitely, like, the location. There's just so much to do. You're surrounded by so much history, so many opportunities. Like, the opportunities are endless. No matter what you do, you don't have to be a poli-sci major, and you don't have to be, like, an international affairs major. You're surrounded by a million opportunities, whether that's academically or in sport and it's a really big place but there's really really tight-knit communities I think that's what I really loved and I think that's what made it home and of course just going to school in the nation's capital is incredible and surreal and to be able to call that home is just so special I think I asked this question to all of my guests so far they all happen to be students at or have been and that's going to wrap up this episode of triathlete talks thanks a lot for for jenna for coming on tonight i really enjoyed having you on listening to uh, the story of some of your experiences some that i've heard and some that i haven't heard and um we could probably go on for for hours just talking about god knows what coffee triathlon bikes um anything i just want to Thank you for for coming on. You're a great guest. Anything you'd like to say to anyone who may be listening, plug anything? (laughs) Yeah, uh, thanks so much for having me on, Ethan. Um, This was great to talk and catch up. It's uh, a shame we haven't been able to see each other in, you know, six months. And um, yeah, it was was great to catch up. It was great to be here. Um, Shout out to Goo. Um, I am a Goo ambassador. They 
are amazing. Love my Goo crew and family. So shout out to Goo. Shout out to Trek Georgetown. Um, they've been great support and free wheel bike in Minnesota. Um, my true bike shop home. I know Jenna's a Goo ambassador, and I guess I still have the I still have the the pro discount thing or whatever. But anyway, um, please visit www.gooenergy.com. All of your performance fuel and recovery needs i know i enjoy the new cola me happy goose actually they're it's my favorite flavor they're like the only flavor that i can actually like smash like four of them in an hour and not want to puke after the third one. Oh, actually funny funny story sorry this is going on this is this is really funny that i'm now a goo ambassador because the first time i ever did a race First time I ever, like, did a serious race that wasn't a Tiny Kids triathlon was the DC Cherry Blossom 10-miler. Did it with zero training. My mom gave me a packet of goo right beforehand. I'd never taken goo before and, like, ended up throwing it back up on the side of the road and, like, swore, swore I would never take goo ever again in my life. Here I am, a goo ambassador. I love it. You know, if you try it once and you hate it, just keep trying it. It's going to go down eventually. Try a different flavor. I still cannot down the berry flavored stuff, but anything like sweet, you know, the espresso love is my jam. Um, but there's, there's going to be a goo flavor for you. I promise. <laughs> yeah. And even if you can't get it down, I promise it's like your body will love it. It honestly, it does miracles uh, sometimes. So thanks to Goo for support of the GW triathlon team. So that'll do it for this week's episode. And thank you, Jenna, for coming on again. And hopefully maybe um, another segment with you coming on as a guest uh, in the future. Once you've gotten your pro card, that'd be pretty exciting. I'd love to have you on. And yeah, that'll wrap it up. As always, this is your host, Ethan. And thanks for joining us this week.